Move, counter move, detect, prevent, and defense. Being a CISO is like waging a never-ending chess game against players you don't know, can't see, and attack without warning. On this podcast, cybersecurity experts from Zscaler's Office of the CISO have a pragmatic dialogue on cyber risks, current attacks, and security trends. Welcome to the CISO's Gambit. Hello, listener. Brad Moltenhauer here for another edition of the CISO's Gambit. In this episode, we will be focused exclusively on Trusted Internet Connection, or TIC 3.0. Our very own Danny Connolly engages in a discussion with Sean Connolly, no relation, (laughs) on the subject. Sean is the TIC Program Manager and an accomplished senior security architect for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency under Homeland Security. Their dialogue will touch upon the beginnings of the TIC initiative right up to the present day, where we will attempt to understand how TIC 3.0 expands on the original initiative to drive security standards and leverage advances in technology to secure a wide spectrum of agency network architectures. This new version of the TIC is highly iterative, which means the guidance will better reflect modern processes and technological innovations compared to previous versions of the program. We'll also better understand how the TIC 3.0 recognizes modern shifts in cybersecurity and pushes agencies toward adoption while recognizing their challenges and constraints in modernizing IT infrastructure and even review the recently finalized TIC 3.0 use cases for a conventional and branch office implementation. After listening to this conversation, I really do feel that the third version of the TIC policy brings government IT closer to the capabilities available to the private sector, and I think you will too. Enjoy. Mr. Conley, thank you for uh, speaking with me this afternoon. I really appreciate your time. I understand that there are uh, a lot of activities going on at CISA, especially with all the uh, executive order fallout actions that are required, and, and I'm sure you're heavily involved with. So uh, we really, really appreciate you being here and uh, and speaking to our listeners about uh, about this very important topic. To kick things off, um, Sean, can you give us a little bit of background on on who Sean Conley is and, uh, and your role within CISA? Yeah, sure. Uh, first, thank you, Danny, for the opportunity to talk here. This is a, a going to be a fun conversation. Again, my name is Sean Connolly. I lead the TIC program, the TIC initiative at CISA. I'm the TIC program manager. Uh, my role, I kind of float around a little bit within CISA itself. You know, TIC is architecture, and TIC has a many strategic interests across uh, CISA and CSD. So um, I've, I've supported both the Einstein program in the past. I've also supported the CDM, the Continuous Diagnostic and Mitigation Program, when it was first rolling out in 2013. But really, my home's always been with the Trusted Internet Connections Initiative, going all the way back to when I was at uh, State Department in the mid-2000s. Um, back through TIC 1, through TIC 2. Then I think about 2013, I moved over from state uh, as a consultant and came to uh, THS as a, as, a, as a federal employee. And so I've been leading or supporting the TIC initiative, you know, since the beginning, but really in the last few years with the um, momentum, if you will, even from the IT modernization report in 2017, where it essentially said we need to reset TIC, been one of the uh, primary players in that adoption of TIC 3 along, of course, with our partners at GSA, especially the enterprise uh, infrastructure support team there with Jim Russo, and then at OMB and the number of uh, the team member of OMB that's leading tech also. You know that agency perspective is often missing in uh, in large projects, and I'm sure 
your experience from the State Department really helped uh, morph the TIC program into what it is. So thanks for your dedicated service. Can you describe for our listeners what is TIC 3.0 and how did it come about? Sure, that's a great question. And as you said there, it's, it's really changed in the last couple of years. So TIC in general, before we even get to the iterations, really, TIC is that uh, driving security architectures, leveraging technology to uh, secure a wide spectrum of aging network architectures. So at TIC 3, again, what we reset on about 2017, 2018, 2019, Grant Schneider and the team over at the, the federal CISO is that shift in modern cybersecurity and pushing agencies toward adoption of more modern architectures. Uh, TIC 3 was developed to help accelerate agencies' cloud adoption and modernize the network security architectures. I think when you look you know, from the wide lens at TIC, from where we were at TIC 1, TIC 2, uh, really back then it was about moving the data to where the security stack was, right? Where we had our firewalls, where we had our web proxies, you know, all those different tools in those, in those data centers there where the firewalls were. And that was really the focus of TIC 1, TIC 2 was to shift the data from a branch office or an embassy or you know, even a remote user to channel it through those finite TIC access points. And really with TIC 3, with the advancement in security, the advancement in uh, different visibility opportunities, and really this new modern architecture, we're able to then change this inside out, if you will, and now we can start pushing the security and that visibility where the resource is, whether the resource is a data point or identity or user or whatever, is now we can move the security closer to where it needs to be. It's no longer about simply channeling massive amounts of data through a couple of finite access points across the agencies. So it's that shift from a single network boundary to line for more distributed network architecture. That really is a key to tick three. I couldn't agree more. Uh, when we had one ingress egress point into an agency network uh, and all of our data was contained within the data center, you know, tick one, tick two worked extremely well. It gave insight and, and visibility into traffic, but now all of our data is, is distributed. Our users are distributed. You know, with the adoption of cloud services, the traditional tick made it difficult to support the business and adopt those cloud services in a secure way. And to your point there, agencies are really starting to move out to cloud and they're still having the traditional requirements to channel all that traffic between their on-prem environments or their users through those tick access points uh, to get to the cloud. It really wasn't the most efficient or optimal or even secure way to do that. So, uh, through a lot of discussion with OMB and a number of agencies, we wanted to move out with TIC3 to improve the flexibility, to improve the security, and improve the visibility from the previous iterations. Uh, what was forcing this, like we just talked about, it was cloud, as mobility. Another large one is just the amount of encryption, channeling all the traffic through those yeah. TIC access points. If they're rising, you know, we all know how adoption of TLS 1.3 even really it's going to be a challenge for, for encrypting traffic. So we need to have new opportunities, new ways to be able to uh, watch the traffic and understand what the traffic is about. And then I think another thing that was important with TIC 3, TIC 1, TIC 2, we, you know, we had one essential reference architecture, and then we defended that reference architecture, for like a better term, for a number of years. Uh, but with TIC 3, it's much less about being prescriptive, saying here's the one way to do something. And it's more descriptive. So we explain the intent in TIC 3 and explain a primary or a couple of different options to meet that intent. So for example, blocking. 
know, maybe a firewall can block the traffic. Certainly, you know, it still can. And lean on that OSI model, right? But maybe there's something else in the stack that can also block. Maybe it's more an access management side, an identity. Maybe it's some type of token or security group. So there's different ways to block. Firewall is just one way to do that. And then also, I think the other thing with TIC2 or TIC3, sorry, it's about the positioning of the security. Uh, before, it was always we had to send everything to that finite TIC access point. Uh, it's inflexible, uh, just, just you know, with all the different mechanisms in there, firewalls, IDS. I mean, how many times did you hear agencies say it's the firewalls, right? It's, it's because there's such a complex environment in those racks. But now with TIC3, agencies are now able to position that security closer to those resources, whether it's the user, the identity, or it's the device itself or a system, I'm sorry, the service that we're trying to protect. So it's between that flexibility, flexibility in security, uh, flexibility in architectures, and then that visibility that really I think is the game changer for TIC3. The flexibility to have security closer to our users and focus on identity rather than backhauling traffic through an agency network is definitely a game changer, uh, especially when COVID first hit and the remote users use case specifically allowing that flexibility for agencies to embrace and adopt new services. Can you speak a little bit more about, uh, you know, that flexibility tick brings in and really uh, it's up to the agency CIO to make sure security is in place, uh, you know, instead of making sure everything goes through one centralized point. Sure. Yeah, that, that's a that's a common question. So again, go back to OMB and you know the update the tick initiative. Really, it's it's where OMB is coming out and saying the agencies had that flexibility, but to your point, agencies need to understand where the data is and where their security is. So it's again not that one prescriptive reference architecture. It would give the intent. We just we define a couple of different ways to be able to meet that intent. But it's up to agencies to have the understanding where to place that security. So it's a greater responsibility on the agencies, I think, when the tick one, tick two. But I think at the same point, like you're talking about, uh, when the pandemic hit, and they're really just the resource loads that are going through those traditional tick access points, agencies are coming to OMB, agencies are going to GSA, uh, coming to us, and we need some relief now. That's why we released that interim telework in April of last year. to say, okay, here's another way to do it. And, you know, we, we specifically made the interim telework to deprecate at the end of last year, we said we'll have a remote user use case like you're talking about. We released the draft of that in December of 2020. And the remote user use case builds on the interim telework guidance released in April. But it's really about giving agencies different options, different possibilities about how to secure their environment. Also, just to make it more efficient also, you know, uh, routing the traffic across CONUS just to send it out through a wow. uh, firewall stack may not be the most optimal solution for a number of reasons. And this gives those agencies uh, choices to meet the intent. You know, giving agencies the choices is, is certainly powerful, but yet, you know, CISA needs to maintain visibility into that traffic to see kind of the threat landscape across the federal government. Um, can you talk a bit about how TIC 3.0 allows agencies um, to kind of have that flexibility, but yet maintain visibility by CISA? What is the cloud log aggregation warehouse or CLAW? Sure, yeah. So CLAW is an exciting program, part of the NCPS, you mentioned the National Cybersecurity Protection Service program we have. So in traditional TIC1, TIC2 environments uh, where the agencies host those firewalls and their IDS sensors, uh, DHS also had a number of sensors that we embedded at those, at those same firewall stacks. And that was part of the requirement for agencies when they uh, channeled that traffic through those firewall stacks was to give us the visibility. 
So we moved toward tick three. And as that distributed architecture starts to really peel away some of the traffic that's going through those tick access points, whether it's because it's encrypted or that's more maybe a remote user going directly to the cloud, that the old model certainly wasn't making sense not to be able to, you know, even embed, if you will, there's discussions trying to figure out, could we embed sensors, CISA sensors at the, uh, you know, cloud providers, but really that was never, you know, a consideration. It was more towards understanding how CISA could still maintain our mission to have that broad panoramic lens to monitor the, you know, the USG, how we do in these new environments. And with hyperscalers, with different vendors themselves, they're often a wealth of different uh, visibility and just be able to send telemetry. So we've built out the CLAW, the cloud law aggregation warehouse does what it says as a way to be able to ingest those logs that are coming from security vendors, whether it's a hyperscaler, whether it's maybe more in a SASE environment, ideally uh, somewhere in the middle of the PaaS or just with a security vendor in general, whether it's a CASB or someone else, as you know, just security solutions to be able to send those logs to the CLAW and then DHS still maintains that visibility requirements that are really embedded now in law, the Cybersecurity Act, I think of 2015, was really where embedded the NCPS requirements. And so with this, with the CLAW itself, we now have the opportunity to be able to maintain that visibility on our website, on, uh, there's a uh, section for NCPS on the CISA.gov website. There's a number of uh, reference architecture volumes that are on uh, the, the website for agencies to look at. Volume one, it's called the NCPS Cloud Interface Reference Architecture, it provides general guidance for agencies on participating in NCPS in the cloud. Uh, the information includes introduction to general reporting patterns for sending cloud telemetry to CLAW. Volume two has been released also. Contains a catalog of reporting patterns for how agencies can send telemetry to CLAW under those different cloud models. So I think between those two volumes that are out there, and again, we've worked with a number of agencies on pilots, so we have a handful. I don't like to you know, talk about the specific number, but we're actively recruiting agencies to send traffic to the CLAW um, to help both our mission requirements and for the agencies themselves. They like to you know, have the assurance that CIS is watching them and understanding what's going on in their environment. So I think this is a primary opportunity uh, to take advantage of for agencies. It's certainly a win-win from my perspective, um, you know, giving the agencies the flexibility uh, to modernize their cybersecurity. And at the same time, knowing that CISA has visibility into that telemetry data um, is, is pretty powerful in my opinion. So shifting the conversation a bit, the TIC 3.0 reference architecture and the security capabilities catalog has a close tie to NIST 800-207 um, the zero trust architecture. Can you speak about your involvement with uh, the development of those and, and how they came together? Sure. So yeah, I want to just caution the audience. I always do this. So I'm one of the four co-authors on NIST 800-207, but I always position that um, I'm more the Ringo Starr of the authors. Uh, uh, Scott, Oliver, and Stu, they're, they're, more the, they're, they're the rock stars of the group. I'm the drummer in the background there keeping the beat. But there's an opportunity to um, align some of where we want to go with, with tick and zero trust. I mean, a lot of the, the tenets that you see in Special Pub itself, like you said, are common to just general best practices for cyber hygiene, right? Data re services or resources, all data needs to be secure, whether it's encrypted at rest, encrypted at motion, access by um, per session or access is determined by policy. Of course, you want to measure the, the environments. I mean, those are common tenants across different programs. So I think 
a lot of symmetry already built in between where we want to go with tick three and just the opportunity, if you will, with zero trust and this whole new uh, um, way of looking at environments. Um, and then also we've worked with a number of agencies on pilots. And I think some of those pilots, I mean, some agencies are already very public about the pilots, like State Department under Jerry Karen when he was there. Uh, they're talking about their zero trust pilot. And their tick pilot is really the same pilot. Um, a lot of the ways we were working together between the interests that State Department had towards zero trust and what we want to learn either for the remote office, I'm sorry, the branch office, the remote user. Uh, so there's a lot of interest between us uh, and the outcomes that State Department produced. And then also, uh, while tick three certainly has a network security-based focus, we also recognize how the, the security starting position itself more toward identity, more toward data protections themselves. And TIC3 is using the momentum from the interest of zero trust to be able to position TIC to also support those type of uh, architectures. Fascinating insight. The TIC 3.0 security reference architecture and NIST 800-207 really go hand in hand together, in my opinion. So too does the recently released presidential executive order. Can you describe for our listeners how TIC 3.0 enables or helps agencies meet the intent of the executive order? Sure, yeah, there's a large hook or large interest in the EO towards zero trust. I and mean, it's repeatedly mentioned in there. I think section three is pretty much about moving agencies toward a zero trust architecture. Um, and, and to your point, a lot of that, you know, agencies come to us, okay, how can both CIS and TIC help agencies meet those implementation plans and these different milestones that are coming out. So we recognize with zero trust, right? The perimeter is this traditional, the traditional perimeter security is no longer working. So that north, south, east, west that we worked at is just less relevant today's architectures. So we need that new paradigm. So we are working with agencies and OMB to understand how to position these new capabilities, these new architectures in place. I think when you look at the benefits of zero trust, um, just some of those, the, the, the general benefits, uh, zero trust, you need to have an accurate handle on the users, the devices, and data and applications. Some of that comes to CISA through CDM. Some of that uh, comes through what we've been doing with CLAW and NCPS. And that's been coming through what we've done with TIC. So I think there's a number of ways that CISA's lined up to be able to help agencies with the accurate inventory. Uh, the ability to adapt to those flexible, uh, the flexible architectures. Again, that's what we're doing with TIC. I think of what we're doing is toward um, CISA with the endpoint detection response, how they're now moving to have a more aggressive EDR solution available for the agencies. Also with CLAW itself, talking about the cloud log aggregation warehouse, how agencies can be able to send that data to us in these new ways. And then another one that's a key is the just the, the monitoring and alerting. Uh, the zero trust framework can be complex and you still need to understand how you're going to aggregate all that data, analyze that data, react to that data, uh, whether it's coming from some type of network to, uh, NDR, you know, network to, uh, detection response or EDR, the endpoint detection, or even going through th threat intel. And you still, the agencies still need to have the possibility or the way to react to all that. So I think there's a number of benefits that Zero Trust is pushing agencies to, to adopt that, again, align closely with what we're trying to do with TIC and the greater CISA programs for a while now. I certainly hope it helps drive agencies to adopt the TIC 3.0 framework. Can you share some uh, some observations or specific use cases agencies have piloted or implemented and uh, proven to be successful? 
Basically, who would you say has done it well? And can you share any lessons learned that could potentially help other agencies? Sure, yeah, there's been a number of agencies that we've worked with. Um, mentioned I was at State Department for eight years, very familiar with the State Department architecture and what they've done the last few years to be able to give relief, if you will, to the Foreign Service officers at the embassies and consulates. It's just a, it's a paradigm shift for State Department, uh, both from uh, addressing the cloud concerns they've had and then also remote user challenges they've had for a long time. So State Department's always a, a primary one. I think another one that's been very interesting to watch is Small Business Administration, of course, SBA, Maria wrote when she was there, and Guy Cavello and Bo Hauser, of course. Uh, we worked with SBA back in 2018, 2019, when they, Maria talks about this a lot, how they had a flood in one of their data centers. And that was the impetus to really shift and say, we're getting out of being on-prem and move all these data, uh, you know, their, their resources to the cloud. And Maria and her team was very aggressive in shifting all that data to the cloud. At the same time, working with us, working with OMB and GSA, understand those security requirements, understand those visibility requirements coming back to CISA. And then when the uh, pandemic hit, and of course, it's the CARES Act, where now SBA was responsible for, you know, uh, releasing all that money, I can't imagine where SBA would have been if it wasn't for that leak, if it wasn't for that water leak. You know, they're still relying on the old traditional on-prem environment. So there's some real tangible examples like that. And there's also, again, what we're seeing in terms of the positive effects of State Department. Uh, what I think I can talk about is also we are using these pilots to inform those use cases we have coming out. You know, I mentioned the ISS PAS, uh, an email cloud pilot, We're all, our use case, I'm sorry. We're also looking at possibly having like a zero trust use case. You know, just they mentioned just around zero trust. There's some other ones we talked to agencies about Internet of Things, having a use case for that. There's always been interest in some type of unified communications, those, those shared platforms, having some structure and rigor around how to secure those type of environments. I think there's all applicable. Um, there's some, some other activities we're working with agencies towards IPv6. You know, the you know we haven't really talked about OMB's interest toward IPv6, and there's you know, a large push from OMB to have agencies adopt IPv6 at greater rate. So we are working with agencies on some IPv6 uh, operations they have. So there's a number of activities in the background. The only thing I just want to um, position also is, aside from the pilots, which is a very structured process, and it goes through the federal CISO council, CIO council, and there's approvals and all that. Uh, we also talk to agencies just more in an interview. We call it a tick snapshot. We're really going to understand just a very, very high level, how has the agency benefited from moving these new architectures? And again, we take those lessons learned from those snapshots and then those pilots themselves to build out those use cases. So really those pilots are, are helping uh, CISA make uh, better informed decisions with actual data and, uh, and, and, and give you the ability to uh, help evolve the program um, as well as giving agencies additional flexibility. So that, that's really insightful. I uh, appreciate you going into that. Um, you know, many agencies I talk to, they really understand the benefits of TIC 3.0 and the flexibilities that brings to their agency and the overall value it brings to CISA, but they don't necessarily know where to get started or how to get started. What are the best ways um, an agency could get up to speed on TIC 3.0, the security capabilities, and just get help with where to start? Yeah, yeah, to your point, Danny, you know, not every agency is a very mature 
you know, SOC or CISO or CIO office in terms of um, a lot of them are stressed and uh, organized in a lot of different ways. And so we need to have uh, different ways to be able to help agencies depending on where they are in their sophistication, maturity of how they can support it. This may not be a primary interest to them, as in, but some larger organizations, they have a much more developed uh, tick program. So I think um, there's, there's two different ways we'll talk about here. The first one is the documentation that we have available itself. Uh, if you go to CISA's webpage or if you go to a common search engine, just type in CISA space TIC tick. That usually comes up with us being the first hit. There's a trusted internet connections uh, page on CISA.gov. On there, there's a number of documents. Uh, we call them the, the core guidance. Uh, we suggest agencies review those you know, as different chapters, as, as Steve Kovacs talks about from Zscaler, uh, start with the guidebook itself. Uh, really, the guidebook helps a lot of the uh, agencies that have familiarity with TIC 1 and TIC 2. These explain the differences from the old TIC initiative and where we are in TIC 3. So I think guidebook starts first, gives a high-level goals of the program. The next one's a reference architecture, provides those concepts that we just talked about, like trust zones and PEPs, and understands how they work together. And then we have what we have, the security capabilities, the use cases, and the overlays. And we consider these more to be the tactical, the day-to-day, -day, uh, where the agencies will look between the ca capabilities catalog and those use cases. The use cases provide agencies with the network security patterns and capabilities for specific computing resources in terms of it could be, you know, a use case for a branch office, a use case for a remote user. Uh, we're going to have ones coming out soon. These are outlined. No me memo, but there's use cases for cloud in terms of IaaS, SaaS, and PaaS. The overlays uh, are vendor supplied and this is the mapping of the vendor services to the TIC3 capabilities. And between these, using these overlays that the vendors produce and the use cases that we're working to produce along with OMB and GSA, agencies can employ those to be able to secure their environment. So the first place we always start is a, is a CISA webpage. And there's a uh, frequently asked questions on the website also to, you know, maybe some stuff we didn't hit in the guidebook or it's much easier to just find the FAQ. So that's always the primary way. One thing I want to take average promote though also is uh, we recently worked with the uh, Fed VTE, the Federal Virtual Training Environment. They have a number of modules that are tick focused and we're just working to release those, uh, I think this month in fact. So it provides an overview of the tick modernization efforts. We go through, you know, just, I think five to 10 minute little modules explaining the different aspects of the program to help everyone understand what the difference is with Tick 3. Thank you, Sean. And as we wrap up this episode of the CISO's Gambit, I wanted to leave our listeners with some final thoughts. Tick 3.0 is a game changer for the federal government because it gives them the flexibility to embrace modern cybersecurity solutions such as Zscaler. It is no longer efficient or effective to force all agency traffic through a centralized monitoring point. TIC 3.0 gives you that flexibility while ensuring CISA still has visibility into the threats targeting your agency. TIC 3.0 truly is a game changer. Boy. Thanks for listening to the CISO's Gambit with Zscaler's Office of the CISO. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. Brad, Nicola, Mark, and Danny are CISOs for the Americas and European regions at Zscaler. You can find their profiles on LinkedIn or reach out to them and other CXO transformation leaders in the Zscaler CXO community LinkedIn group. 
Zscaler is a zero trust exchange inline cloud security provider for some of the largest companies on the Forbes Global 2000. Find out more about Zscaler at zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.